Hey everybody, it's Moscow here, and before we get started with today's show, I just wanted to remind you all that a great way to support the Brewing Network is by shopping on Amazon. Just go to thebrewingnetwork.com and click on the Amazon link and then do all your shopping as normal. You won't even know we're there, but Amazon gives us a little cut of everything you buy, and it goes a long way to helping keep the lights on around here. So many of you are already doing it, and for that we offer our sincere thanks. Keep it up, and if you're not doing it, a pox on you and everyone in your family. Thanks in advance. Enjoy the show. The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. That time again, June edition of the Sour Hour. Got a busy show tonight. Hope we can, or actually, it's this afternoon. I forgot. A little earlier, uh, earlier start to the show. Um, gonna have Milk the Funk on in a little bit. The uh, online sour and funky beer group, uh, one that I'm happy to be a part of. These guys do a great job cultivating the community of uh, sour beer and. You know, that's what we're trying to do here on the BN um, with the Sour Hour. Quick reset. I'm your host, Jay, from the Rare Barrel. Uh, we're in downtown Concord, the Brewing Network Studios. Um, it's episode 13, Scott. Can you believe it? I thought we were going to uh, maybe skip 13, like some hotels. It's the 12th floor and then the 14th floor, you know, because yeah. so we're... So we are calling this episode 13. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, okay. you know, but we, at least we already have the beer slowing. So we're going to do a quick uh, quick tasting here in a little bit. Um, but first, I uh, want to get you guys involved in today's show. Today's just going to have more of a focus on kind of the homebrewing aspects of sour beer. Um, so that's where that's where our focus is lying. So if you're a home brewer and you're listening to the show, you know, go ahead and interact with us. You can call us at 888-401-BEER. Um, you can join us in the chat. You can... Email Scott during the week, Scott at the Brewing Network, for uh, feedback. And then you can, the best way to do this live is uh, watching us on thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. Are we, are we up online? No, because uh, Justin uh, has the, the MacBook that we use to do the live stream. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of thinking ahead here on the BN. Or wait, is it that we don't think ahead? That, yeah, one of the two. I forget what. Yeah, one. I had planned how I was going to say this, but I, I guess I didn't plan very well. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I, we don't plan very well around here, and the lab, we don't have the laptop. I'm looking at the camera, and usually it's like blue, right? And it's throwing me off a little bit. Yeah. So, so that means no one's listening to this live right now. Well, no, I mean, there's still the mobile app. The mobile. So app. There's people listening on that, uh, okay. no doubt. I have that, but it's always like a Sierra Nevada rerun or that's at least what it says that's what it says on the website yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually no that got updated randomly to the christmas show from 2014 for no reason that that sierra show was from 2010 and for years the website homepage just now playing sierra nevada from august 2010 with steve dressler right and for no reason it just updated itself to the logs and christmas show on which it has been stuck since okay so it's stuck again uh-huh. so this isn't like a sponsorship thing like where we get the rare barrel session on there for two or three years i wish it were i I wish it were because that would mean sierra nevada would have been paying us monthly for four years fortunately the opposite is true 
Well, you can just send them an invoice and just, you know, see what happens. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, they probably just pay it. They don't even know around there. It's a rounding error. All right. Well, thank you if you are listening live, if you found it on the mobile app. Um, but, yeah, please call in and uh, help us kind of get through some of the issues of homebrewing sour beers. Um, if you're listening to this later, uh, go ahead and subscribe if you've downloaded the show on your favorite uh, podcast downloading service, iTunes or PodBay or whatever those things are. Did you hear that Spotify is going to start doing podcasts? No. I just heard that, and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool, because they're, they're kind of dominating the music streaming thing. So Yeah, Spotify. I'm using it on the one of my uh, browsers right here. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hear that. That's awesome. Hey, look, the more uh, avenues by which to download podcasts, the better. Yeah, you know? and if you just have that one app open, and you can just switch between both of them, that'd be awesome. That's great. I just wanted to butt in here for a second on behalf of Beer Connoisseur Magazine. They are running a Kickstarter campaign through July 16. Here's your chance to get in as a founding member of the Beer Connoisseur Club. And that's you. You're a beer connoisseur, and you like being part of clubs, right? I do. Anyway, your name will be recognized as a founding member in the fall magazine issue. You're going to get a one-year subscription to the magazine. You'll get a membership card, which will officially make you a card-carrying beer lover. You'll get discounts and incentives with the Beer Connoisseur Global Partners, access and discounts to beer events and festivals around the world. There's an online club community, invitations to club-exclusive events, and regular e-newsletters with member highlights and events and Really, what aren't you getting? Go to kickstarter.com and search Beer Connoisseur, and you'll see their campaign. It's a fantastic magazine, and it's a great opportunity for just a couple of few bucks to uh, support those who support the industry and get a lot of cool stuff out of it. The Beer Connoisseur Club from Beer Connoisseur Magazine. All right. So one thing I want to mention is that uh, we have three of the founders and administrators of the group, Milk the Funk On. It's uh, Devin Bell, Brandon Jones, and Ryan Stiegel. And they'll be joining us in the next segment talking about uh, their group, how they promote sour beer, homebrewing techniques on how to make sour beer. Um, So we're really looking forward to that. Um, If you want to look back and look into our last show, it was uh, Jim Crooks from Firestone Walker Barrel Works. Great, great episode. Uh, We touched on a lot of micro stuff. Um, I'll run down a lot of the beers that Firestone Walker Barrel Works are doing. Um, And they're making great beers. Jim was kind enough to send us some. Uh, but just like the show before it, which was the Russian River, Allagash, and Cantillon show, I really felt like with Jim also, we really couldn't get to all the things that I wanted to get to. So we'll definitely have to have him back sometime soon. But yeah, we're getting a, a nice backlog of uh, guests who want to come on the show. So that's been that's been a lot of fun to, uh, to see the response there. Um, and then a few things... We've been uh, that I promoted before on the show uh, with the rare barrel. One was that you know we did go down to uh, Firestone. We saw Jim. Um, they had their Firestone Walker Invitational Beer Fest. Yeah, we haven't been on the air since then, have we? No, I don't yeah. think so. Nope. Yeah, a couple of big events since the last time we were on. Brewing Network was down there also. Uh, Justin hosted some uh, like brewers roundtables. One was on sour beer. Yeah. Do you uh, notice you weren't invited to that? I did, yeah. And I, well, I got up, got up and asked a question because uh, I saw that my good friend uh, Luke from Wicked Weed was on the panel. Yes. And, you know, I've gotten to know Luke a little bit, and uh, he's working there with his brother Walt. And Walt is kind of running the show on the funky side of Wicked Weed. Uh, and Luke, well, let's just say, doesn't really have the uh, the palate that is compatible with sour beer all the time. So... I got up and asked him a question, you know, just how did you get into sour beer and like what what made you passionate about this style? And I was just, 
Luke, why don't, why don't we start with you? And he's just like, he just gets this big grin on his face. He's like, damn you, Jay. Like, <laughs> has to admit in front of all these people. It's like, yeah, I really don't. My thing. Don't care for sour beer. Yeah, even much. when, because when I was organizing the panels, Justin was like, all right, well, you know, there's nine potentials, and here's my wish list of the five we should have. And right. Of course, you didn't make the cut. Yeah, of course. Uh, but he was like, you know, Wicked <laughs> Weed for sure. And then, but when I talked to them, he said, Luke said, yeah, Walt actually isn't going uh, unfortunately, but you know, I could sit in on that and I can just kind of BS my way through it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, perfect. He did a great job. He knows his stuff for sure. And a lot of the information he gave was awesome. And Wicked Weed's making world class sour beer. So uh, it was a great panel to, to just be in the, the audience for. Um, but speaking of things that we haven't been on there since, this is the first Brewing Network show since uh, BNA 10, I think. Yes. And I haven't heard. Anything about how it went? So how did it go? It was a week ago tonight. Uh, it went pretty well. I think most most people there had a great time, um, as with any party, especially one that's organized by people who don't think ahead like us. There is eh, some stuff that's our fault and some stuff that's maybe the bus's fault and some stuff that's maybe the uh, Thai food truck's fault, not bringing <laughs> enough stuff. Uh, but for the most part, um, I think it went it went pretty well. Now, I was pouring for Russian River, uh, who had a booth oh. with a jockey box there, but nobody to pour because Vinny was off in Thailand or wherever he was. And I was pouring supplication and hop to it was the, the two choices. Awesome. There was not, not a person in line all night. Anybody who wanted one of those beers could just walk right up to me and get a pour. However, oh, that's awesome. several tables away was a little place called the Rare Barrel. Uh, they yeah, did have sent, quite sent, a line really? all night. Okay. Yes. We sent Alex down there to uh, pour some bottles. Tall Alex was there, and Jay was not as uh, per usual. Yeah. He's, and, the, he's the party animal. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is a serious, this is a big deal, man. I mean, think about that for a second. Supplication out of a jockey box at a beer festival. There it is. No line. Rare Barrel, huge line. There's a new sour sheriff in town, everybody. Well, no, let's let's uh, take, a, uh, hey, take a few hundred steps back. The from proof's that. in the pudding, Jay. I I didn't make up this scenario. Well, this is what happened. I I, I definitely appreciate people uh, going to check out our booth and try our beers. Um, it's pretty cool to hear that. You know, some of the people who are listening to the show, you know, they you know, I, I can imagine they want to try out the beers that we kind of reference quite a bit. Um, and it's, you know, it's the new kid on the block. It's the exciting new thing. Uh, it's more, it's more than right, that. Cause that, that wears off the novelty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This well, has I mean, not worn still, off. It's, well, the still, momentum is, is gaining. I hope we have momentum, but we're still in the, the early period. So, you know, we're just, we're still finding a lot of things out. The fun part about this show is kind of finding out about it live, you know, with all these people listening. So, you know, the good's. And the bads, the ups, and the downs. I hope we can share them all uh, on the show and just kind of spread the knowledge of sour beer. But it's it's all it's awesome to hear that so many people are just at least interested. You know, I don't know how many people got back in line. You know, apparently you, a lot. It was a carousel. People just got to the front and went right back to the back. All right, well, I'm telling you, this was I'm I'm just reporting. This right. is what happened. Well, that sounds like a good time. So uh, happy that we could. Uh, you know, we were invited to be a part of it, and we were a part of it. Um, and then I think we are sort of also our bottles at least were a part of the uh, friends and family uh, here that night. Yeah, right? yeah, we had the uh, the actual um, on the day of the tenth anniversary, which is uh, June five, two thousand five, is the first broadcast. So on Friday, June five, twenty fifteen, we had a little friends and family gathering here at the Hop Grenade, and we poured uh, quite a bit of the uh, rare barrel beers that were sent in um, when we awarded you uh, beer of the year for every damn drop of beer you make. 
And, yeah, we, uh, we bought that award for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you 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 bought it. Um, you paid it for no, not for it. It's because you sent the you sent us the case of beers after the award was announced. You paid I guess for that's it. That's true. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Oh, did Beave like invoice you for With uh, pro quo? Yeah. <laughs> so we drank a lot of those, and uh, uh, those were the, the same uh, beers, the very same beers. I was being accused of uh, drinking to myself because I was cellaring them in my uh, home fridge. Mm-hmm. Mm. Au contraire. I brought yeah. them in and shared them with everybody. And I even uh, poured a little goblets full of them and walked around with a tray wow. serving them to people. Oh, yeah. You must have been in a great mood. It's so unusual for you. I you know. know. Bringing beer in from your house, uh-huh. sharing it with people. So Abby was here that night, and she was eating her dinner and had a glass of water in a uh, a cup that was very similar to one that all the sour beers had been poured in, poured in, and uh, she ended up picking up one that wasn't water Ooh. and drank it and then proceeded to grab Sam and his shirt and just wipe her tongue off. <laughs> <laughs> so that there's two things about that. One is that rare barrel beers can be confused with water, first off, and two, it's so bad that you need to like scrape off your sense your senses yes it was great so basically what i'm hearing now is luke from wicked weed has the palate of a three-year-old because Ah, he doesn't like that stuff either way to bring it full circle it's almost four oh okay oh almost four three and three quarters (laughs) you're still not referring to her in months she's 124 months she's 72 months old. oh wow yeah i don't like the months it's like oh how old is your son 18, and you're like, what? Months. Months. It's always confusing. Why not just break it down to hours? He's 4,786 hours. Or just go baby, infant, toddler, kid. Yeah, because nobody really cares. Teenager. Yeah. 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 He's a teenager. Yeah. That's your kid. He's an adult. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's great that uh, the BN had such great uh, celebrations of 10 years. It's certainly meant a lot to to me personally, and then, you know, this being a homebrew kind of focused episode of the Sour Hour, I know a lot of the homebrewers listening feel the exact same way. That's a lot of the feedback I get when I'm out and about. So cheers to the to the BN for 10 years. That's awesome. Um, a couple other things, uh, events I wanted to mention before we dive into this tasting, because I'm getting thirsty. Uh, Stone Sour Fest is coming up on June 28th, and Rare Barrel will be pouring beer down there. And then the next event I could see is, uh, and this is a fun one because we're actually going to, I don't know if we're going to be there. I don't think we are, but we're sending beer out to the East Coast for uh, Wicked Weeds Funk Asheville yes. Festival. We might be going to that. Oh, yeah. I, Asheville sounds awesome. So yes. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having our beer out on the East Coast. Again, we were at uh, the Extreme Beer Fest, Beer Advocates Extreme Beer Fest in Boston earlier this year. And it was cool, again, to see the response to our beer in a place that we don't really sell it and we're very far away from. So if you're out on the East Coast, definitely try and uh, find your way into that festival. Or down, if you're down in the San Diego area, definitely check out Stone Sour Fest. Um, but, yeah, enough of me blabbering. Let's get into our uh, tasting. We've got Joe here, who's uh, a home brewer, and he brought us some of his sour beers. Thanks for coming in, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. It's Nugabauer, right? Joe Nugabauer? Wow, that's very get accurate with your pronunciation. I was yes. not going to that. Yeah, there you job. go. Oh, no problem. Nugabauer. Can I just, before we uh, get into Joe's beers yeah. that are in front of us, um, I just want to say I'm impressed that you have all this beer to be pouring at all these festivals. That's kind of amazing. How the hell are you making no, all this don't. beer? No, no, I know you don't. Where's it all coming from? We're, we just take it out of the tasting room, really. So. I mean, it's hard. We can't bring that much beer to any of the festivals. Um, a lot of them, like... Uh, BNA 10 we send bottles to because we have a seller of bottles that we can draw from from time to time 
to do, you know, smaller fests, but, you know, it's like taking blood out of a rock, you know, it's just, there's nothing there. So we're really, I mean, we're really trying to improve, but it's just the nature of this beer and being a, a young brewery. I think, event, you know, eventually we'll be able to do all the festivals we want because there's so many, uh, so, so many of them are like brewery related or just great people run them. So we definitely want to be a part of it. Um, but at this point, yeah, we have to be super choosy and we probably over commit ourselves sometimes. Sure. Um, it's so hard not to, you know, all these fests are just so awesome. Yeah. And you see the other breweries who are going and you're like, Oh, you know, I want to have those. Sure. Beers. So, uh, yeah, we definitely, we definitely want to be a part of more fests, but, uh, maybe in a few years when we're, when we're all grown up when we're three and three quarters years old. <laughs> well, good on you for faking it uh, in the meantime. Fake it till you make good. it. That's, yeah. that's our model. Yeah. Um, All right, Joe. So, yeah, let's talk about these beers. So we got two samples in front of us, Joe. Uh, we got a golden sour, and then one looks a little bit darker. What, but I, I think I know that they're a little bit related. Can you start by telling us a little bit about the gold sour? Yeah, the gold sour uh, is actually about two and a half years old now. So um brewed it two and a half years ago um basically it's kind of an interesting story there's no primary sack yeast at all in this beer it's what i did was i'm, I'm a big fan of sour beers mm-hmm. so i any bottle of commercial sour beer that i got that i knew had the house strain of bugs in there i just i made a growler of uh of starter wort and just would dump the dregs in there let it sit around and over the course of a you know couple months or whatever it'd be five or six sour beers in there Cold crash at decant, add some more starter wort, and over about six months, there probably is about twelve or fifteen different bottles, different breweries, bugs in, in in this in this starter. And so I brewed a five gallon batch and basically just dumped the entire thing in there and and just let it go. And uh, left it in primary for about eighteen months total. Um, most of the fermentation happened within the first three months, but um, let it sour up a little bit, uh, you know, over the course of the next year or so. And uh, that's basically what you have here. And you're right that they're interrelated because the other one, basically, when I when I racked the the golden sour into a keg, force carved it, uh, I brewed a saison, which I fermented with the uh, French saison strain. And uh, once that was done, uh, I racked that on top of the the funky bug infested yeast cake mm-hmm. of the first one and let that sour up for a few months and then i added some wild blackberries to it that i uh, harvested near my near my house down by the down by the creek so cool. uh, so it's basically yeah it's like a saison funky sour saison with some uh, blackberries awesome you just what? waded through the uh, the thorny creekside blackberry plants <laughs> exactly i love those things actually i made my two sons do it for me oh, so perfect. i just i just sent them down there and they came back all bloodied and everything else i said good job kids old school yeah. they're your labor it builds yeah, character of course you know, it does yeah. yeah yeah awesome well that first off i just want to say both these beers are really good yes um, but i have a few questions so you're going, you got the first beer, which is your golden sour, um, and you're adding all the dregs. Um, are you, how are you monitoring what's going on in the growler? Or are you at all, as that's coming along, are you tasting it, smelling it, doing any uh, readings? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too knowledgeable when it comes, I'm, I'm basically just kind of going off the cuff here with a lot of this stuff. So basically what I did is um, I just, let it go for about a month or so with a growler. It's, it was it was a brown growler, so I couldn't really see what was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, I would after you know about a month or so, I was sitting there. I'd, I'd get a little concerned about it, so I'd put it in the fridge, cold crash it, and then put a, take a little bit out and taste it and see how. And it always tasted good. 
you know, every time I did that and, uh, you know, add more starter wart to it. So there wasn't really a whole lot of monitoring of it, I guess you could say, but it was more just, uh, just whenever I felt like it was ready, I would try to try to taste it and see what it was like. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, tasting along the way that that's monitoring, you know, it doesn't always have to be so scientific with, you know, expensive equipment, you know, your, your palate is always the best piece of equipment you're ever going to have. And investing in that and learning new vocabulary and tasting everything all along the way, that's, that's the best investment you're ever going to make. Um, so when you're, when you're kind of adding each of these new, uh, bottle dregs, did you find that the way your growler tasted when you did taste it, did it drift over time quite a bit? Did it kind of taste the same from like the first dregs that you added or what, how was, how did that evolve? Yeah, it was pretty much the same. That's I, w- I was curious about that too, but yeah, from the first few times I did it, it, it was pretty much the same. It, it kind of reminded me, I, I put all kinds of different bottles. I mean, I used Russian River Dregs. I used Jolly Pumpkin, Cantillon, Dreyfontienne. I mean, all the big ones that we get out here, locally here in California. And yeah, there was very little change in the taste over time. I mean, it was probably about a total of eight months, you mm-hmm. know, and I probably tasted it maybe three times over that time but yeah it was it was pretty much the same through the whole thing it soured up quick i was really surprised uh, how quickly the bugs you know just took that wart and just just funked it up how quick are we what does that mean quick like probably within a month wow yeah i mean it was you know about i don't know maybe 42 ounces total of starter wart with you know probably three or four bottle drag you know about an inch left in the bottle inside the growler yeah, it's something, something we've talked about a bunch on the show, and, you know, a lot of people struggle getting that acidity when they're just starting to make their first sour beers. I think the one of the, and we'll talk to the Milk, milk the Funk guys about this, how they have seen it, um, but I think one of the easiest ways is get mature, advanced yeast and bacteria and give it just unfettered access to sugar. So that means, like, don't do a beer first and then add dregs to it. You know, you're adding these dregs just to straight wort, right? Right, yeah, just a small amount of wort, so yeah, I think that helped. So, I mean, that means there's no Saccharomyces that already fermented out of beer. There's no alcohol that would kind of make it more of an uphill battle. And, you know, you're, is this your first sour beer? This one is the first one I've ever done, yeah. I mean, that's pretty incredible. So just going from yeah. not brewing a beer right away to after a month being able to produce a nice amount of acidity— and then this ha- being the, f- the final product is is pretty great. Yeah. Um, one thing I want to another thing I want to ask you about is you say it's uh, about two and a half years old, but you know I think a lot of times uh, in older beer, and especially maybe older homebrew sour beer, um, it'll be exposed to a lot of oxygen over time. Then you'll start to develop maybe some more acetic acid or ethyl acetate. I don't get any of that in this. In this beer, so how did you tackle um, keeping oxygen away from this beer? Yeah, that was one thing that I was really careful about because um, doing the little bit of research that I did, I knew that was the biggest factor. So I left it in a glass carboy. That's what I fermented in. Let, but it sat there for eighteen months, and every every time I would open it to take a sample, which wasn't often, maybe every couple months or so, uh, I'd use a. I grab. I have a kegerator, so I grab my my CO two and just blast it with some CO two. Put a nice little blanket on there and make sure it didn't get too much oxygen. I think that was a really smart move because just the way the the vessels are, the vessels are in home brewing. You know, they just don't. 
it's such a small vessel for how big the opening usually is. You know, you think about a, a glass carboy, right? So that's six and a half gallon capacity. And the opening to the carboy is probably as big, relatively as big as the opening to an oak barrel, which is 59 gallons. Now, the oak, there's a little bit different because the oak barrel is porous. The glass isn't permeated by oxygen, but where you're going to get a lot of oxygen ingress is through the opening. So, you know, the fact that you have these small amounts of liquid with usually large openings, uh, you have to really factor that into, you know, how much headspace you're putting in. I think, you know, the CO2 blanket you're putting on top of the beer, I think that made a big difference. So that's a great piece of advice for a lot of the home brewers out there who are just starting out. Um, and then the second beer, the blackberry one, I definitely get a lot more aromatics coming out of it. Um, nice and fruity, a little, a little drier to me, or at least the perception is drier. Maybe that has something to do with the acidity. I think the acidity is a little bit lower. Um, but tell us a little bit about how, you know, how the, the repitch of this went in your eyes and how the results are. Yeah, well, the the French saison strain in my I've only used it a couple of times, but it always dries out really quick just on its own. So that got down to about ten oh five, just with the saison strain on its own, and so it was already pretty very well attenuated to begin with. So once I racked it onto the the bugs, uh, it got down to about ten oh three, which is pretty darn low. So yeah, it, it's definitely drier um, than the than the golden sour. That's a few points higher. So um, yeah, you're dead on with that, but. Uh, yeah, and, and like I said, this one only took about three months or so to go from that uh, 10.05 to 10.03, and, and it, it built, built up. It wasn't sour at all before mm-hmm. it went on there, and in three months, it, and then, like I said, you know, this is pretty pretty sour, but not, not bitingly, so it's kind of more tart than sour. Right, yeah, that's interesting because you only had those two specific gravity points left, uh, and it fermented out, but you know how much of that was the bread? how much got consumed by the bacteria and actually produced acid. You did get, I think, some acid production out of that. But then did you taste it before you added the fruit? Because I'm, th- I'm kind of thinking maybe it was like a very lightly tart beer and then the fruit might have packed a little bit of punch in there. Yeah, it may have had a little bit of tartness, I guess, just because it's a saison. And, um, you know, it might have just kind of that acidity more than, you know, like a sour tartness. But um, And plus the blackberries probably added a little bit of that tartness, too, I would think. But uh, um, just a quick question because I didn't – it's funny. One thing I didn't expect or I did expect that didn't end up in the in the beer, especially the golden sour, was there's, there's really not a lot of funk there, mm-hmm. you know. And I wonder if you had any uh, ideas of why that was because I was expecting with all those bugs and, and there's got to be some bread in there. It didn't funk up at all. It almost tastes more like a like a big not, – not so much a Berliner Weiss, but it was, it's more lactic than anything else. So I was wondering if you had some ideas why that was like that. Yeah, definitely. That's that's how a lot of our beers turn out at the Rare Barrel, a lot of our Brett primary ferments. Um, and I think, you know, it's something we've touched on on the show. It's a common theme that we touch on quite a bit, which is that sort of the earlier and the more Brett you put into it, it's counterintuitive, the less Brett aromatics and flavor you get out of it. Um, I think actually what happened in your in your second batch is that there's probably a little more to for the Brett, for the Brett to play around with. It's less... Maybe less about the sugar and more about the esters and phenols that are produced in a primary Saccharomyces fermentation. So I, I'd be curious to see how this uh, line of beers continued. If you you know 
had the original uh, East Culture and then, you know, or repitched the second one to see if there'd be, you know, a continuation of Brett Funk to be to be developed. Yeah, I wish I had saved that East Cake, but like an idiot, I kind of let it sit out and was lazy and didn't <laughs> didn't end up washing it and, and put it in anything else. So it's gone now forever, unfortunately. But um, this, I have another saison that I did that I added uh, some Brett to it, and I've listened to you guys' shows, and I know, you know, Brett. I've heard you say before that Brett is more expressive when it's, you know, under pressure, mm-hmm. so to speak, or when it's stressed. So, you know, I, I use the du- DuPont strain right. on this on this saison and fermented okay. It didn't quite dry out as much as I'd like, but then I added some Brett in a keg with a lot of pressure on it. And boom, man, it that Brett developed quick. It's it fun- it really funky after just about maybe three or four weeks. Wow, so, awesome. Yeah, that was a pretty cool experiment. So Looked. Brett is the only strain of yeast that you want to stress is that fair to say is it that's my perception yeah i'd say so i mean really you're looking to you brewers try as hard as they can to get optimal yeast conditions right i mean and that's what takes you know a decent or a good brown ale or porter to a great or excellent brown ale or porter you know it's just those little manipulations in recipe or oxygen or fermentation control or pitch rate you know a lot of the things that kind of don't come into sour beer brewing not always but there are the yeast can be harder to deal with but sometimes it's a blessing in disguise like you know we have a hard time uh dropping out uh flocculating enough uh Britannomyces to repitch into a new batch so the new batch doesn't start to ferment very vigorously um in a primary fermentation but in that case the lactobacillus may outcompete it at first so we're actually getting more acidity up front and then the Brett eventually cleans it out along with cleaning up all the off flavors. So it's just a totally different ball game when it comes to sour beer, totally different fermentation track and varied fermentation tracks can all work out making really great beer. So it's kind of what we try to, we try to find as many roads to go on as, as possible with the show. But I got to say, Joe, you, this is the two that you just knocked out of the park on your first two tries. It's definitely two for two. Seriously. What do you got going now? Uh, I've got a couple of saisons. Like I said, I, I I brought another bottle if you guys want. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, that that's the Brett saison. It's kind of a hoppy. It, it actually was a split batch that I did a uh, kind of an IPA, and then the other half I I, I did a set with a, the Dupont strain, and then added some Brett. So that's that's a pretty nice beer too. And then I've got uh, actually it's interesting. There's a guy I, I'm, I'm a member on RateBeer.com. I don't know if you guys are familiar with mm-hmm. that, but there's a, a guy on there that uh, had cultured up some of the house strain of Hill Farmstead um, from some of their early batches of, of some of their beers. And uh, he sent out some of the yeast to a couple of guys who were interested in home brewers. And so I, I used uh, that for my latest beer that's still fermenting at home right now, but it's smelling and tasting really good. So I'm, I have high hopes for that one. Yeah. Well, based on these beers, I'm sure that's going to be a great one, too. Um, Thank you. You want to hang out for a little bit? We were up against a break, but... Yeah, stay for the show, man. Talk to Milk the Funk with us. Sure, Awesome. We'll take a a short break, uh, drink some more of Joe's beer, and then we'll be right back with the guys from Milk the Funk. This is the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. The Siebel Institute of Technology Continuing Education Campus is proud to present their advanced homebrewing course. It's the first ever advanced one-week course designed specifically for homebrewers. The advanced homebrewing course takes hobby brewers beyond beer kits and extract brewing into the realm of advanced brewing techniques. It's five full days of world-class brewing instruction at Siebel Institute, America's brewing school in Chicago. Information-packed, fun, and the perfect course for taking your brewing skills to the next 
next level. You'll be surrounded by the Midwest's most vibrant brewing community. Get more information at SiebelInstitute.com. S-I-E-B-E-L Institute.com. With instruction from Ray Daniels of the Cicerone Program, Chris Graham from More Beer, brewing author and historian Randy Mosher, and Dr. Chris White from White Labs Yeast. The Siebel Institute Advanced Home Brewing Course. Learn more at SiebelInstitute.com. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? What? Seriously. What? You're paying money for that watered-down mead when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. And now get 15% off by going to MoonlightMeadery.com forward slash BNArmy and use coupon code BNArmy at checkout. Hey, sign me up for that party. This is Nick and Pelletieri with the East Bay, and you're listening to the Sour Hour on the Brew Network with Jay Goodwin. Look at that. A little plug from the East Bay. I didn't know he did that. That's pretty cool. I'm full of surprises. I know. You're the best. We're back. It's the Sour Hour. Hanging out, talking homebrew sour beer. Uh, had Joe in the first segment share his awesome sour beers with us. Uh, I just saw a, a, a bunch more sour beers come through the door. Um, so let's bring in the guys who uh, who sent these to us so we can see what we're looking at. We got the guys from Milk the Funk, Devin Bell, Brandon Jones, and Ryan Stiegel. Are you guys there? Oh, man. Yeah, we're here. Awesome. You got for spelling, too. That's for fucking boss. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, guys, I'm going to hand uh, – n- now, these guys, they shipped us some beer, and they uh, individually wrapped all bottles uh, in plastic bags, which is a word to the wise in case your beers leak. That's uh, a fail-safe. Uh, but one of them has a, a little bit of an issue in the bag. I'm handing oh, the bottle yeah. to Jay right now. W- describe what you're seeing there. Uh, it looks like a little bit of seepage. Now, uh, that coming out? Bevo pegged that as rust. Are you saying definitively that is not rust? Well, as a as a colorblind man and not a melurgist, uh, I have no idea. I see. I'll just say that. Got it. 
but we could take it out of the bag. I'm sure the beer inside. It looks like it's a full bottle, so. It does. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm wondering if there was no seepage. I don't know. Did you get you have your tetanus booster lately? I did. I okay, just good. All right. Well, then we're pouring it. Yeah, we're good. Do you know which bottle it is? Yeah. Uh, Galaxy? Yeah. Session Sour. Yeah, okay. That was Mr. First Bill. All right. So we got a uh, let's let's uh just get a quick intro from each of you guys. Uh say your name so we know your voices and then maybe just a little background how you got into sour beer and milk the funk. Okay, uh I'm Devin Bell. Uh I started uh homebrewing probably around like 21 and then uh got into funky beer whenever Brandon Jones sent me uh a Berliner Weiss and I found out you could actually brew sour beer at home. Uh, and so started brewing then and uh, uh, joined Milk the Funk uh, right after its inception uh, when Ryan sent me a, a message and became an admin and kind of went from there. Ryan Stegall, uh, Rockville, Tennessee. I've uh, been brewing, home brewing for about 10 years now or so and uh, just got really into uh, wanting to understand alternative uh, methods of brewing about two years ago and uh some lack of uh, lack of knowledge just uh not not so cohesive out there uh decided to create this group and uh this is uh this is where we're at today so uh, i've been working on this for for about, about about two three years now just getting interested in sour beer hey i'm brandon um I, uh, I guess I initially got on with uh, the Milk the Funk guys, uh, my uh, website, EmbraceTheFunk.com. Uh, Ryan, I've known Ryan for a couple of years now. He was in a homebrew club uh, about uh, 20, 30 miles from uh, Nashville, just kind of in the middle Tennessee area. And uh, he had hit me up uh, just asking if that was going to step on anybody's toes or anything like that, if he uh, started this Facebook page that would uh, kind of get people into a discussion of um, – of sour and wild beer and alternative fermentation methods. Um, so I guess he was kind of worried that I would be a little bit mad. Uh, of course, wasn't because anything I can do to help out uh, people making better sour and wild beer and uh, educate be- educate people, I'm all for. Um, I've uh, done home brewing uh, for, gosh, I guess the first sour beer that I did was back in 2006. Uh, I ordered a kit from uh, More Beer. And uh, did the uh, Flanders Red, which I think was uh, Jamil's recipe, and uh, did that. That's one of my favorite styles. Uh, started finding out as much as I could uh, a few years earlier than that when I really started enjoying sour beers. Uh, come uh, up through the ranks. Uh, I'm now the uh, head sour brewer and uh, oversee the uh, sour production at Yazoo Brewing Company in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, still run the website, EmbraceTheFunk.com. Um, haven't updated it uh, very much. I did an update a few weeks ago on how I'll be moving full time into brewing sour beers, but um, that's that's kind of my deal right now. Awesome. And when it comes to the group, you know, maybe you could fill in some of the listeners. How many members are there? You know, what's a what's a typical topic like? You know, what what is milk the funk in your guys' minds? Before you do that, what do you guys want us to start with? Which beer? Oh, good question. Uh, you know which ones you have. Yeah, we got the Goza, the Session Sour, the uh, Kentucky Gold, the uh, Blended Golden, and then the, uh, is anyone out there? Okay, uh, probably... Um, no, we're here. The Session Sour. 
uh, if that's okay to drink, I, you said it might have some seepage, and then uh, or goza, one of those two. Okay, let's try the galaxy and then go to the goes. Okay. See if that see if that works. I, I think you don't, y'all are missing one that didn't get delivered today. Uh, this is Ryan. Uh, sent a golden sour on mangoes and pineapples, but I'll bet you get it uh, real soon. <laughs> it's probably just a Scott's house. Uh, no, it's not. It's uh, long since drink. No, I'm just kidding. In the, in, in the recycling, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Tell us about the group. Okay, we're uh, uh, just today we checked. We're about uh, 2,100 members. Um, usual topics, uh, anything. Uh, we get uh, pro brewers asking, like, where they can buy bottles, all the way down to people doing their first sour beer. A uh, lot of, lot of uh, like, the quicker lacto-soured uh, questions. Uh, kettle souring or souring uh, before pitching yeast uh, questions, uh, and then just a lot of just regular everyday sour questions uh, about it, like any different style, pretty much. Uh, so we get a lot of posts a day, probably like I don't know, 20, 20 new posts a day at least, I would say. So uh, there's a lot of topics. That's definitely the cool thing about um, about what Facebook has been able to do for a lot of these little uh, niche. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to call it a hobby because you know, for some of us, it is a lifestyle. And like Devin said, there are a lot of pro brewers in the group, but it's truly it's a great place where you can get immediate response and you can almost chat. I mean, some of these topics that have that have uh, come up in the Milk the Funk group have gone on to two, three hundred responses at a time. And you have different um, you have different people from pro brewers that are on the West Coast down to the Florida Panhandle to microbiologists that work on the Upper East Coast. So you get all these different people together, and it's a lot of times it's a real-time chat that we just simply couldn't have if we were just posting on a regular bulletin board. So it's been, to see this come together, what Ryan and, and the guys that originally started this group have you know have done to help out education and help people brew all these better beers has been it's been pretty fantastic and it's really come up in the i'd say in the past probably three to four months um i think you've seen it jay that there you know there has been a lot more people that actually are are making their living in the brewing industry and do deal in all these sour uh sour beers and wild yeasts and alternative fermentation methods and they are coming there and they are having discussions with each other I mean, it's cool, you know, just, you know, not to name drop, but to name drop to see guys like Wayne Wambles from Cigar City uh, talking with other brewers like Bob, you know, and truly having discussions. And there's spirited discussions on these different methods on how you can produce these beers. And there are so many with the popularity of sour beers and in wild beers, there are so many different methods that are all coming together. And to see this funneled into this one Facebook group, I mean, it's pretty rad to see that happening and, you know, and, and see it happening live almost. Absolutely. It's definitely very rare to see such a, you know, communication going on from, from pro to home brewer level. And uh, what that's creating uh, is, a, is a heck of a toolbox. Uh, you know, we got people like uh, Dan Pixley, who has been just a great contributor and help organizing our wiki. And the wiki is becoming almost like a textbook uh, to assist people in, uh, in doing the things that we're doing. I mean, there's not necessarily a right and a wrong way. Uh, there's many ways to do it, and definitely we're opinionated on how we do it. 
but uh, in definitely different ways to uh, come to uh, good results, sometimes bad results. And uh, but but the the way that we're doing communication right now is just is, is unbelievable. And I don't know of any other format, you know, that you could do such a thing like this. It's it's definitely awesome. Yeah, there's certainly, and in the wiki page, I think it's a really cool thing. Um, I probably could do a little more with that. Um, I just haven't really had the time, but to see how that's come together and, you know, just take, for instance, the, uh, the page on, um, I forget what it's even called, but the one about where, uh, taking the probiotics from, uh, alternative lactose, lactose, uh, which everybody seems to be really interested in right now is these different, uh, variations of lactobacillus from, uh, you know, from your grocery store or from your, uh, local pharmacy that you can buy over the counter. there's, there is, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to say 20, but, you know, it's probably wrong. But, I mean, what I'm saying is there is a lot of other lactobacillus out there other than Breves, Delbrecchio, uh, just the ones that you can buy from, like, the big three uh, microbe vendors. So, um, you know, that's really come up. And I've seen – I don't think I've ever seen more discussion on, on using, um, you know, on using these different lactos anywhere else than on this page. And I've seen a lot of different pages from Pro to uh, back when I was active on more beer and Northern Brewer, um, various other um, Burgundian uh, Babel Belt, um, you know, so things like that. That's really helped a lot of uh, a lot of brewers, not just on the homebrew level, but on the pro level, figure out ways to make their make their product unique. Uh, to try new things because as brewers we're naturally curious and especially if you're brewing and brewing with wild microbes and you're trying to tie something together to make this certain characteristic or you just one of those guys that likes to tinker um, you can you know you can find out this information so to see this information come together and you get the plus of you know, there are chemists that work at a lot of universities that that's all they do. I mean, there, we've got a guy that spends, spends most of his day researching cancer cures that cross checks a lot of this, uh, a lot of this research that comes in that people are doing in their garages. So when you have, when you have the ability to do that and to bring it down to the homebrew level and make it approachable, make it understandable, then you can certainly help people, you know, all over the world to you know make these killer beers that we that we're extremely passionate about absolutely and that's that's really what drew me into milk the funk and i'm, I'm happy to be a part of it also a small part because there's so many great contributors on there um and i just really related to what you guys are trying to accomplish what all the members are trying to accomplish with you know what we're doing on sour hour which is you know it's just stuff that we all want to know about and we talk to each other about, but you're right that it is, you know, you're not really seeing these conversations anywhere else on the internet or in, you know, very many books. So to have, have what you guys have created as a resource, um, including the wiki, which, uh, you know, I think has tons of potential, uh, as like a searchable and all the, the interlinked information. A lot of it can come from the Facebook page. I think it's what you guys are creating is going to be very valuable to all the, all the burgeoning uh, sour beer brewers out there. Um, Can I just say this Goza is stellar? Yeah, this is awesome. One of the best Gozas I've ever had. And so this is a quick turnaround beer, right? What's the what's yeah, the uh, end time? I started it, and I was going to write an article, and I never got to it. But uh, it's extracts. Uh, my first extract I've ever done, I, I started out uh, actually 
all grain brewing uh, from a friend. Been, how long have you been all grain? Oh, uh, since I was 18, something like that. So, <laughs> long time. Uh, He's now 19 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> 28, but so seven or nine years, I guess, all graining. First extract beer I've ever done. Uh, uh, I just had a kid uh, about, I guess, eight, nine months ago. Your wife had a kid. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, so, so the time for brewing has uh, definitely been cut short. Uh, so I tried this uh, extract method. Um, I brewed the, the Session Galaxy and the Goza the same day. Uh, brewing and cleanup was probably around two hours because I just uh, – I, I did. Uh, I got a nine-gallon pot, and I just brought the uh, six gallons or whatever up to a boil. Added the DME, uh, cut uh, the heat, chilled it to uh, around 100 degrees, and uh, transferred it to a CO2 purge keg. And uh, the goes is actually made with probiotics. It's um, Ultimate Flora is the name of the brand, and I think it has. Yeah, it, it, I think it has like 10 different strains of lacto in it. Uh, and then the other one is the uh, the uh, session sour is made with uh, Omega's lacto blend, uh, which has three different uh, lactos in it. And then they were both fermented out with uh, Twa and uh, Brooks uh, to, to finish them out. Uh, I mean, grain to by the time I got to a bottle, I think it was it was like six or seven weeks. I got into a bottle, and now at this point, I think it's. Probably six months old since it, since I bottled it, uh, but uh, very 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 fast turnaround. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to kind of prove that you can make like a, a decent sour beer, and it may not be like as complex as like some long age, but I don't think you always have to do that. Like uh, I think a lot of the mistakes home brewers make is you know you brew your first sour beer, you brew a clean ale, and then you add like either some blend from a yeast company or bottle dregs and you wait two years and then you know at two years it might suck and then everyone gets uh kind of frustrated that they waited two years for the sour beer and uh this i kind of i was trying to show that you can make like a good shit a good sour beer in uh two months it's a family show (laughs) (laughs) well I, got, I, I just keep picturing uh, the home brewer with the, the home kegerator, and maybe you got like a three-tap tower. Maybe you got six taps on a converted, uh, you know, Maytag from the 70s or something. But this is like a great um, sort of house sour, just something to keep on. Like you got a right. porter, and you got a wit, and you got a blonde, and an IPA. And this just always have a sour beer on at your house. It's going to be the same turnaround time as your other ales. And it's, right. I mean, really, this is a superb example of a ghost. I'm impressed. Yeah, two-hour brew and cleanup day. You know who I thought of when I heard that is Justin. Mm. Like, you know, he likes yeah. sour beer. He would he would he have this on working all the hard. time. Yes, he sure does. This should be his next beer. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think uh, he's going to have Bevo brew it for him there you uh, go. next week. Yeah. Yeah. She's not She's not, of course that's not. Fine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> You're gonna the, recipe for the, the recipe for the goes is on the Wikipedia, so just oh, there you the go. Ghost tag. You hear that, Bevo? Yeah, Beav. We're saying you're going to have to. Uh, he's, Justin's going to have you brew beer for him at, at a certain point. We're going to call this side out. <laughs> I'm probably the only person who could make worse beer than Justin. <laughs> probably uh, by this method, you'll be all good. So I like that. I like taking the intimidation out of you know a lot of people's first sour beers. Um, you know, with all the discussion of you know new brewers getting into sour beer and a lot of how much you guys talk about you know lactobacillus either in the kettle or in a in a pre kind of fermented wort uh, scenario, 
what, are there any other you know techniques you would uh, suggest for someone who's going to brew their very first sour beer? That seems seems to be a theme think, of the show today. What, what Devin needs to do is he needs to emphasize one of the things that makes it a success, and that is a little to no hops with the lacto. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't hop at all. Like with the Galaxy and the Session, I use zero hops until uh, the Session was uh, dry hop. Uh, the goes was not, so there's no hops in there. Um, I, especially like uh, uh, Omega Strain, it's great, but if you you hit it with like five to ten IBU, it's not so great. Uh, so if you wanna if you wanna hop, what I would do is I would sour in the kettle and then boil uh, once you hit your pH range, and then uh, then treat it like a normal beer. So. And it, it took me a long time to understand that. Time and time again, I failed making Berliners and dumped them and dumped them and dumped them and you know just almost gave up and uh, and it was just because of that you know oh it's just five ibus it's just eight ibus and doesn't sound like a lot it's 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 a killer to lacto it's, it's a hell of a lot to lacto awesome and you know you guys have talked a little bit about the different sources of uh lactobacillus where you guys find lacto uh, can you dive into that a little bit deeper uh, with, you know, alternative sources of lacto and then some maybe of the the smaller labs you guys have tried out? Omega is by far, like, if you're just going to buy from a yeast company, my favorite uh, blend to use. I think that's uh, Lacto-P, Brevis, and uh, Delbrecrii. Um, but other than that, I've used, um, I've gone to your local grocery store, and if you go to the, uh, I guess, the supplement health aisle living good belly yeah, yeah but they have uh different types of uh lacto bacillus drinks um like they have a lacto p uh drink that's called good belly and that's all it is it's like 200 million cells per serving and we've had uh guys just take a single shot of that port in five gallons and uh no heating no external heating uh so you know room temperature it'll drop to about like three point five ph in a matter of 24 hours so just just buy the mango good belly and dump the whole damn thing in there right or the, <laughs> yeah i've also done the probiotics where i just take like probably like four of the pills cut the tops off and dump them in like a starter like you would make a 10 30 starter and just dump the powder in there and just let it sit for 24 hours and pitch the next day and it's you know i'm getting uh anywhere from three seven to three five in uh 24 hours uh pitching at 95 and letting it ride till uh usually uh 24 hours later and uh i don't know it's usually like 70 degrees the next day and it's plenty sour for me and then i just pitch yeast on top of that and it doesn't get much sour after that i think certainly a big point that um that you got to think about too when you're using lacto uh ryan hit on uh probably the first thing you should think about is your ibus in your beer but the second thing uh, depending on the variation that you're going to use uh you need to think about temperature um if you're going to use uh one from uh one of the big labs um you probably need to go a little higher on your uh, on your uh, incubation temperature uh to get the uh, sourness and drop the ph uh like Devin was talking about if you're using Omega, I think Lance has said that, you know, really anywhere between 75 and 95 degrees, uh, these different variations of lactobacillus work great. Uh, we've had really good success at going in at Yazoo here, uh, going in at 95 degrees. And within, I think the last one I calculated in our lab, uh, we'd, we'd drop from uh, 5.2, 5.1 down to 3.4 uh, in about uh, 18 hours. 
and uh, we were ready to pitch uh, pitch our other uh, from uh, fermentative strains. So it's you know it, it's definitely very variant on which uh, which lacto you're going to use, and I think that's again where the where the wiki comes in. Uh, one of the members, Matt, has done a great study on. Um, on uh, where the lactos will uh, kind of their sweet spots of, of different lactos, and he's got a nice graph that's on. I'm pretty sure it is on there. Yeah, the lacto, it's yeah, uh, yeah on, on the lacto page on the wiki. Um, so it's it's definitely got a nice curve graph on there to uh, show you and give you a pretty good idea of, uh, of what you need to pitch at to uh, have the most uh, success, especially if you're using it the first time out of the gate, or you know if it's your first sour beer. You know, definitely check that out because it will. The temperature and temperature and IBUs are certainly the uh, two things you need to think about first, and they're easy things to think about. They're something that's extremely predictable. Um, you you know what they are, so if you if you follow that, you're probably going to make a pretty darn good uh, sour beer within a, within maybe six weeks. And and multiple species also increases your success with that. Uh, more hop tolerant species that Jester King has, brewery, Cascade. Uh, if you can get those going in your house culture, you can knock it out of the park, even with a little bit of increased IBUs. Yeah, that's like Ryan's saying. I always like to pitch at least like two or three strains of lacto, uh, and then also like to finish it out with. I usually finish out with Brett or a Saison strain. I mean, it's usually like if I'm doing Saison strains, it's usually two at least. And then Brett's, it's two to three every time. They all have different metabolisms. Even even if I'm doing a, a clean clean ale, an IPA, I'm pitching multiple kinds of, of sack in there. I mean, it might be 001 and Conan, or it might be 001 and American Ale. I'm always pitching something extra to back up the other one just in case. So you guys, are, are you putting salt in any of these gozas? Or? The goza, yeah, the goza's got salt in it. Uh, I, I'm not the biggest salt fan, so I always try to, I do it pretty pretty light. Uh, well, I think it's light. Uh, I've had some gozas that were just like salt water, and I, I just don't like that flavor. He works out and he lives, so he's got to watch it out. <laughs> awesome. And just uh, before we stray too far off of it, the, the wiki that you guys are referencing, that's at milkthefunk.com slash wiki. Is that right? Yes, it is. Awesome. So that's, uh, you know, even if you're not a member of the Facebook group, you can go to that and uh, check out what these guys are working on. Um, We have a question, Scott? Yeah, here's an odd one. And uh, Milk the Funk. Yeah, and maybe Milk the Funk guys, you guys have heard of this because I haven't, and I don't know if you have, Jay. This is from Scott Foster. He said, should sour beer make me violently ill? (laughs) Let me just say right now, Scott, no. Um, but he goes on to say, the last three I've had about put me in the hospital. I get a massive stomach ache about two hours after having just a few ounces. This is followed by hours of violent vomiting and excruciating stomach pain. The last sour beer I had made me the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. My wife was going to call 911 because she was sure I was dying and that somebody had poisoned me. Sour beer is not for me. Am I alone in this experience? I'd, Scott, I'd love to say yes. You're, you're a weak man, and you should not, you should not breed. <laughs> yeah, you're a, that's a lightweight is what that's called. Well, one thing I'm happy about is that I, he's listening to this show. If that was home brew or, or if that was a commercial yeah. brew, um, you know. I'll, a lot of those sour I, beer home brews, like, if you're not in, like, the sour brewing community I've had or people have been like, 
oh, I messed this batch up, so now I poured, like, you know, the the Lambic strain up from Y-Yeast in it and waited a month, and they have no idea what, you know, it was a crap beer to begin with, and it's just it's well, an infected crazy, so. I'd be curious as to, yeah, like I said, if it was homebrew or if it was uh, commercial brew, um, you know, it, everything that I've ever ever been told, uh, Chris White and uh Dave Logson, everything I've ever read, that there's really no pathogens that can live, um, you know, at the, at the pH that beer is, and especially sour beer that that could harm you. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just not your thing. I mean, there's some people that are definitely uh, allergic to American hops. I have a good yeah, friend sure. that uh, can't can't really consume any beers that uh, have American hops in them. Uh, yeah. Dry hopped IPAs because of the ragweed uh, that make him really, uh, uh, really sick allergen wise. No so, kidding. You know, it might be something like that. Um, I highly doubt it's the. Uh, you know, it's it's the flora that's uh, that's in your gut. Uh, you know, because typically uh, acidophilus and things like that are for people that have uh, problems digesting. So uh, you know, it's it's you know, as as we've talked about with the other alternative uh, lactose strains in there. I mean, that's typically in the section that is the things that are good for your gut that help you not you know get the violent poops. So. <laughs> Well, you know, this guy's in luck because I, I, have a, I actually have a great doctor I can refer him to. You know who I'm talking about, Scott? I think so. Dr. Lambic at the sourbeerblog.com, <laughs> yes. which that question was brought to you by. With your proctologist. That's, that is bringing it full circle right there. Uh, one thing, you, you, we kind of talked about Flemish red ales earlier. Uh, I know that was one of your guys' uh, first experiences with sour beer. If any of you guys listening are thinking about doing that for your first sour beer, definitely go on to sourbeerblog.com because the newest post is all about uh, a deep dive into uh, kind of designing and brewing a Flanders Red Ale. And it is, when I say deep dive, I mean it's a deep dive. It's like, you know, 150 words just on the hops. And that's like the shortest section of the whole article. So if you really want to geek out on a on one of the many styles of sour beer, uh, Go over to sourbeerblog.com and, and check that one out. Certainly, uh, Flanders is, I, and I think past, uh, if you're you Berliner, uh, Flanders is definitely one that that could be your first or second sour beer as a home brewer. Um, that's the one that, that definitely got me excited about sour beer. Uh, my, my story is actually how I got into truly discovering sour beers was um, when I was doing some work with ESPN and I was actually in Bristol and uh, shooting a NASCAR race and I had been over to the store the night before the race to uh, find some beer and I found this one beer that was wrapped in paper and uh, it ended up being uh, Leafland's Hudenbon and uh, which is you know it's a Flemish brown but you know basically the same family of, of style and so I, I tasted it and it just absolutely blew me away I never had I've never tasted anything like that. It was so wine-like and so beer-like, but so tart, and it just kept me wanting. It, it made me want to drink another sip and sip and sip. So back then, in the early 2000s, before it even predates uh, the Brewing Network, was we, you know, we had books, and uh, so I found some books on uh, on the style and papers, and uh, figured out uh, figured out the style. Um, tried to find as many examples as I could, which is kind of difficult in East Tennessee. 
but thankfully I had friends that, uh, that were able to send me the styles and I learned as much as I could about it. And the Flanders red style certainly is the, uh, is, is a really important style to me. That was the first style that we brewed as my big batch here debut at Yazoo, um, back in, uh, 2012, which actually the, uh, cherry version was the one that went on to win this past year at the great American beer festival, uh, in the sour and barrel aged category. So that's certainly a mm-hmm. uh, style that is, uh, that's close to my heart. Awesome. Congrats on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember these books because now we have Milk the Funk. So you know, yeah. we, we don't need books. <laughs> Those are the things that you find at the, um, what is the, uh, library, right? Yeah, they're That's like, with the books. But they're like decorative, right? You put a bunch up and yeah. you look really smart. Well, no, only one of them is. And one of them you pull it and then the shelf turns around and then you're in the dungeon. That's your, no, it's called, it's called a playroom. Instagram pictures with uh, <laughs> weird see, filters. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we, uh, we should take a quick break because we got some more beers to drink. And that'll give us a few minutes to kind of uh, pour them all out and come back with the guys from Milk the Funk. So if you guys can hang on, we'll be uh, right back on the Sour Hour. What could be better than great blues music and great beer? Yeah, rock your summer right at the 6th Annual Pleasant Hill Blues and Brews Festival, Saturday, July 18th. Come enjoy tasty beer, delicious food, and free live music. The Chris Kane Band, Frankie G and the Conviction, Spin Out, Karumpus Room, and the Used Blues Band. Unlimited beer tasting and VIP access available at beautiful Pleasant Hill Park. More than 25 of the best in some of the newest Bay area breweries will be on hand like sierra nevada speakeasy mendocino brewing drake's ale industries rock steady and more get your tickets right now for the blues and brews festival at bluesandbrewsfestival.com and friday night will be a pre-party concert from 6 to 9 p.m come enjoy the music of the big jangle don't miss the pleasant hill blues and brews festival for great blues and great brews get your tickets today Adventures in Homebrewing have the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipes. Some of the things Homebrewing.org creates and manufactures in-house are the Brutus brew stands and propane burners, the serial killer adjustable two-roller grain mill with seven-pound hopper, custom stainless steel false bottoms designed to fit kegels, coolers, and mini-sized brew pots. The brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing have designed a huge selection of original recipes for extract and all-grain brewing. Adventures in Homebrewing original recipes are tried and tested, proven to be of the best quality. And right now, Adventures in Homebrewing is shipping 24 of their best recipes for free. Visit homebrewing.org for the most current selection. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And now, it's even easier with free shipping on these kits. Brewing Network listeners receive 10% off their homebrewing.org orders when they use coupon code IPA at checkout. See terms and conditions for full details. Your support of the Brewing Network means everything to us. We couldn't produce shows without you. And we love giving you something extra for that support, like Brew Your Own Magazine. You already know it's a great brewing magazine full of recipes, equipment how-tos, discussions of beer styles, and brewing techniques. Whether you're new to brewing and just starting out or you're an old pro, you'll always learn something from the articles in Brew Your Own. Plus, there are amazing special issues like plans for building a Brutus 10 system, 250 classic clone recipes, and the Homebrewer's Answer Book. Brew Your Own Magazine and BYO.com are awesome resources for 
Danny Brewer. Whether for yourself or as a gift, when you subscribe or resubscribe from the Brewing Network homepage, you directly support programs like this. Get a great magazine and support the Brewing Network. Subscribe to Brew Your Own right from the thebrewingnetwork.com. From Milk the Funk, here with Joe. So we've been coming up with a game plan, I think. Neugebrau? No. Uh, Neugebrau. What's the game? What did you guys say? Oh, we've come up with the game plan on what we're going to talk about. We actually had a chance to talk. (laughs) We've been drinking this afternoon, so. I've heard some bottles pop in the background. What are you guys drinking? Um, Right now we're drinking uh, Funky Blue Persuasion, which is uh, one of the Yazoo beers that I did. This is a uh, sour blonde that uh, we did with um, the uh, East Coast Yeast uh, Bug Farm uh, that I had in uh, Pinot Noir barrels and um, aged that uh, almost a year. I I don't know. Maybe it was a year. I have to go back and look. But anyway, it's a uh, Pinot Noir barrel aged uh, blueberry uh, sour beer. And uh, then Ryan had, uh, what'd you have, Ryan? Yeah, so uh, had a Golden Sour Solera uh, beer. Uh, we call it Mango Tango because it was put on uh, mangoes and pineapple. Me and Matt Morris uh, did this beer. There's a whole story behind that beer. Uh, basically, it started off as just on a beer off in 2013. And any sour beer that I liked that the dregs went into that five-gallon batch. That was the year John Kimmick was there. Yeah, right? yeah, it was. It was Sister Alchemist. It yeah. sure was. And uh, since then, we perpetuated that forward probably twenty batches. And I guess you can almost say that's become our house culture, and it is awesome. I really wish that that shipment had received, you know, y'all today. But maybe you can talk about it next episode. I know you'll you'll get it, but. Anyway, that, uh, that, that's the beer that we did in 2013 with me and Matt Warris, uh, who's my partner in crime usually. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to try that out and give you guys some feedback. And, you know, we're talking to, we were talking off air, too, just about how many more topics we want to get to. But this, this will be a little bit of a, a shorter segment, so we'll just cram in and try and do a lightning round uh, question and answer type stuff. But right before we jump into all that, uh, a couple of housekeeping items I wanted to mention. Uh, got a great sponsor of this show. It's the Wine and Hop Shop. Uh, visit them at wineandhop.com. They've got over 100 varieties of malt, malts and hops. Uh, they have beer and wine kits. And uh, most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And the best thing is that BN listeners get a flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 50 pounds. So all you have to do is enter BN Shipping. In the notes field of your shopping cart, and the discount will be taken off right after you check out. That's the Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com. Um, There's one thing you know uh, if you're going to brew beer on the homebrew level, sour beer, you yeah. know what you need is a lot of extra equipment. So when yeah. you decide, hey, I'm doing sour beer, I'm listening to this show, and I need to get myself some extra carboys and extra, you know, barrels and all the extra crap you need laying around. They have, you know, There's a, a lot of wine shop. equipment, too, that... You know, translates over more into sour beer making. Just oh, yeah? the long aging time, the wood part of the aging. So 
there's a lot of stuff that you sure. know they'll have for they'll have for both basically um uh, you, abs- you absolutely hit on it i mean there's so much of a crossover between wine and beer right now that it's you can get so many people excited about sour beer there's a lot of people out there that are you know are definitely just winos in the world and they just simply want to you know enjoy calves or merlots but we can bring them into the beer world and the craft beer world uh by introducing some familiar flavors from the barrels uh, you know if we, you know flanders red say for instance and you know if we have it in a merlot barrel we have so many you know we've got some acidity we've got the merlot character you got vanilla in there you've got the oak and, you know, it just so happens it's got a little bit of carbonation, um, you know, a few percentages lower on ABV. But, you know, typically if they do enjoy something like that, they can get excited about it and they can you can set them up to enjoy it. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, you certainly have to do is set somebody up to enjoy a sour beer. You just can't spring it on them. But that's that's what makes me excited is there is a big audience out there that certainly has never had a sour beer or has never brewed a sour beer that we can help out and you know we can make them better drinkers or better brewers uh, for it just be sure that you explain to said winos that you're uh, you should be swallowing the sour beer not spitting it into a bucket. <laughs> yeah, you That's never... right. I saw it yesterday. I guess uh, New Belgium had a, a thing on Periscope, and one of the questions was, do you guys spit it out? And I think Lauren was like, no, we're beer drinkers. We drink this. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's why Lauren's the best. Yep. But, yeah, uh, you know, hopefully we're making an impact on that audience. And, you know, if you're listening to this show, hopefully you can listen to the other great shows on the Brewing Network, like, you know, Brew Strong, Dr. Homebrew. And I'm going to throw something out there for the session right now, is that maybe you guys should be getting on Yazoo Brewing, to try more of these. I mean, then we can get a lot more of these beers, right? Yes. Got to hop on a Southwest flight and come uh, hang out in the studio and come do the show. And I probably am the worst because, like, Devin and Ryan sent beers, and I've got hundreds of bottles, and I didn't send you guys a one beer. But I know I know for a fact, though, that Justin had a couple of beers here when he was here for a wedding, what, a year and a half, uh, yep. two years ago? Yep. And uh, he really enjoyed the uh, Brett Saison, if I remember. So uh, we got the uh, 2015 version coming out uh, in a uh, month and a half or so. So uh, we'll send you guys some of those out. You know, we can do a, you know, if you guys want to do a segment on the Sunday session, that's fine. Yeah, can, we're, we're going to make that. Do that. It would be a little different than the uh, previous Sunday sessions that I've made appearances on. Uh, that uh, <laughs> hopefully it will be a little more coherent. Oh, yeah. I mean, after uh, getting a drunk of the week, you know, oh. you got to class it up a little bit. <laughs> really? When was that approximately? Oh, God. Maybe 2010, 2011. 2011 was when I won Fallen Soldier of the Year um, after uh, after the flood. Oh, uh, right. When, uh, that's right. And all my, my keg grader had flipped over yes. and uh, broke all my uh, Perlix out. And uh, right. JP got uh, Chris Graham to uh, send me new Perlix and uh, all the uh, all the fittings and everything for it. So yeah, man, I've been that was uh, you. I, I still donate to this day uh, since probably oh seven oh eight. Uh, still donate every month to the Brewing Network. It's Good a fantastic man. Resource, man. I love it. Good yeah. man. I'm glad we were able to help you out too. I remember Absolutely. that. I, rem- I still and I still feel bad because uh, Blobber 
I still have the original uh, Blobber, Kim, Andy uh, lunch meat shirt still at my house. Um, and uh, we had talked about doing a calendar at one point. We were going to send it all to the BN people. And, uh, yeah, I guess where that train stopped in uh, in Nashville. Sure. That shirt's been sitting in my house for four years. So, Kim and Andy, Blobber, sorry, guys. I'll get it out to somebody one day. Well, don't worry. I mean, you, you know it. it's not a truly old shirt until it has... <laughs> Oh yeah, the armpit. holes in the armpits. Yeah. I'm holding That's up my right. my old uh, Phil Hendry show shirt has holes in the armpits, so oh, you're yeah. good. All right, so yeah, let's jam through a few more questions for these guys. Yeah, let's launch in. Uh, so, one thing I wanted to get your guys' take on is just uh, what's what are the common mistakes that you guys have seen just through posts and what other people are uh, talking with you guys on just what home brewers kind of commonly do wrong with their either their first sour beer batches or it could be you know ten sour beer batches in. What are you guys hearing? I think that one of the things that people, when they when they set out to make a sour beer, um, is that again they take a recipe that is not really designed for sour beer. You just don't take a you don't take a beer and just sour it, and then in six months or a year or eighteen months, whatever, keg it, and all right, well there we go, we got a sour and wild beer. Um, you got to make sure that again that your IBUs are good um, for what you're using. And um, you got to make sure that you're adding the, you know, yeast or wild yeast that will get you down to the attenuation point that, that you want to be at. Um, there's a lot of things going to barrels. Uh, but, you know, make sure if you're going to do a Brett beer that you're pitching at a lager uh, rates. Uh, that's what I try to do here at the brewery. Uh, we typically, uh, when we order, we're stepping up Brett strains. Uh, we typically order at uh, at lager rates uh, for our for our strains. I, I would say don't go into this thing setting yourself up for failure. If you're doing something experimental, back it up, fortify it with a sack a sack a sack strain. Uh, when we did that drag donation. Uh, that has turned into being our awesome house culture. We went directly in that thing with a low attenuating American Ale 2 yeast. Me and Matt Warris did. We just wanted to make sure that, hey, it did something. Uh, and it was decently successful. So what what it did was by, by setting yourself up and fortifying that with a, with a sack strain when you're doing something highly experimental, uh, at a minimum, you're going to end up with a decent saison. You know, you're, you're going to get fermentation, number one. Uh, it's going to drop the pH in a period of time to keep the bad stuff out. And then, because it's low attenuating, it's going to have residual sugars to allow uh, whatever you're experimenting with to continue to chew and munch and develop over time. And I would say think about, too, what you, what you want in the end result. Um, there's one of my big things, and it's typically erupts every few months on Twitter from my account is that uh, Brett beers are not sour beers. So if you're wanting, uh, you know, an Orval-esque beer or, you know, something like that that's a Brett beer, then, you know, you need to have certain expectations that, yeah, you're just, you're just going to be using Britannomyces and you might lower the pH a little bit uh, up on pitching to uh, coax some flavors out of there, some characteristics out of out of the Britannomyces variation that you use. But um, but definitely, you know, know what you're know what you're shooting for and, you know, don't try to go for some you know, for your first sour beer, don't try to go for some crazy fruit infused 
you know, French oak, something, something, 10% beer. Um, you know, try, you know, I, I'm not saying shoot low because, because there's plenty of Berliner Weisses that I would just crush daily that are fantastic beers. And they're three to, you know, 3% beers. They're very easy to make. And they show you how to do it. It, it even while it is still brewing, it's still definitely a, a little bit askew of your normal process. So once you got your process down and you know what you're doing, you can't. You, you can make these beers. You just have to take a couple extra steps and a couple extra minutes of care, and and they're they're totally they're they're totally easy beers to make. Um, but I would say for your first one, certainly shoot for a low low IBU beer, uh, sour at first. Even if I I personally don't kettle sour, but if you'd like to kettle sour, there's a fantastic wiki on, uh, on Milk the Funk about that that'll walk you through step-by-step step on how to do it. You'll get that sourness in there. You can add your favorite Britannomyces to add some wild characteristics to it at some point. Um, but, you know, that'll walk you through it, and you will, get, you will get to that point, and you will learn in the process. And if you mess it up, don't worry about it. We all mess up. I mean, when, if last week... Uh, Caleb Staten and I were uh, doing a salon at Saver in D.C., and one of the questions that came up in the Q&A session was to Caleb how many beer, I mean, how many barrels he'd ever dumped, and I think Caleb said that they had, within the past year, maybe dumped 10 barrels. So even on the pro level, you're going to mess up, and I think I saw at Rare Barrel, Jay or you or somebody, there was a picture on there of you guys dumping because the EA levels were, were too high, and it happens, so don't worry about it. Don't stress out about it. It happens. You're dealing with wild microbes. These things are wild for a reason, so don't worry about it. If you mess it up, you're five to ten gallons out, so what? Try again. You like these styles. You clearly have a desire to brew it, so try again. It's all good. Know, know when to dump. Don't make your friends or customers suffer. Uh, I've, had, I've actually had too many bad Berliners out there, and I, I've almost stricken that word from my vocabulary. I don't even like to use the word anymore. Berliner? America, yeah. Vomit. Some, oh, vomit. Literally vomit sometimes, you know. They're like overly grainy. I mean, I appreciate the original style, but some people just screw it up just royally. And, well, I think uh, a lot of people start out and they shoot to, like, make, like, a Cantillon or Dre, like, their first sour beer. It's kind of like when you see on the clean side, like someone gets into home brewing and they're like, I'm going to make a 12% Dark Lord clone with coffee in a barrel with chocolate and Chipotle's <laughs> and all this crap. And they, it's like, why don't you just brew like a, a cream ale or something to get you like kind of knowing what you're doing before you kind of jump into like the the definitely more advanced end. Yeah, exactly. You don't go, you don't start out driving Formula One. You start out driving right. shifter carts and then you scale up. Yeah, definitely. But you know, you guys. But that's not nearly as fun. On your website, you guys have some of your recipes, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. So the base recipes. So those are good. You know, you know, look at resources like what Rare Barrels doing. I mean, they're clearly making fantastic beers out there. So look at the grain recipes that guys like Rare Barrel doing. Um, I think Jester King has a few. Look at, you know, Milk the Funk, Embrace the Funk. Um, you know, there, there are recipes out there. There's no shame. You don't have to go 100% on your own on the first one. There's no shame in, you know, whole, you know in, in following a map, first of all, and, and following what the success of others have had. And then you break off. You find your way on that, and you will, you will have success. It just takes, you know, getting into it. 
Or you don't. Or you just continue copying people who know what they're doing, like we do here at the Brewing Network. Just copy podcasts who know what they're doing, and you make a living on it. That's what I do at the Rare Barrel. I mean, all my ideas are just like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let me try that. You know, there's no originality anymore. There doesn't have to be. You don't have to be smart. You just listen to smart people. Yeah. But, you know, now now that we've gotten the mistakes uh, section of this segment out, we're we're running out of time a little bit. But I want before we uh, leave you guys, I want to ask you guys about one of these beers that we tried, which is the... uh, is anybody out there now? This yeah. of all, all of all the beers we've had, I think this one milks the funk the hardest. Yes, this uh, okay. <laughs> this one reminds me quite a bit of like the aromatics of like Belgian style goose. Uh, how did how did you guys milk that funk out of this Suck beer? Uh, that's my beer. Uh, this is Devin. Uh, uh, the Kentucky Gold and the uh, Is Anyone Out There are the same base beer. But they are uh, the uh, the any, anyone out there is on plums. Uh, it's aged like two two to three pounds per gallon. Um, it's a half a cool ship project I did. Uh, I had like a fifteen gallon uh, stainless steel like basically like a box with like a terrain on it. My friend let me borrow, and I, I put it in my backyard. Uh, yeah, so I did half of it that, and then half of it was uh, a quick soured saison. Uh, with lacto uh, uh, lacto A from uh, probiotic pills, and then uh, East Coast yeast uh, saison strain and bread. Uh, then I blended them about uh, I think it was like probably sixty percent of the um, of the cool ship project and forty percent of the saison project, and then uh, just bottled them or just moved it to a carboy with uh, the plums, and then bottled that. Awesome. So the the Kentucky Gold is just the rest of that beer that didn't see plums. All right. Uh, it has a, a little bit of uh, of wine uh, added into it, like one bottle for the five gallons. Uh, petite uh, Petite and Verdejo. Awesome. Yeah. Both both of these are killer. Definitely, uh, you get those uh, strong Brett aromatics that you know are just so hard to coax out of these beers sometimes. But, yeah, all, all the beers you guys sent in were just absolutely killer. Thank you so much for uh, sending those bottles in, and we'll have to look forward to uh, getting you guys back on soon because I feel like I have a lot more questions for you guys. But, you know, before we go, how can people kind of get involved with what you're doing? You know, are you looking for to add members of Milk oh, the Funk? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we've, we've been checking right now, and we got, like, uh, 30, 40 new requests to join <laughs> already uh, just being on here. But uh, if you just go to Facebook – uh, in the search bar, you can just type uh, Milk the Funk or uh, just Facebook slash Milk the Funk. Uh, I think that'll take us to the public page we have, but that has links to the the private group. Uh, we kind of keep it private, so like some people's work aren't too keen on people having like alcohol things on their Facebook. So uh, no, it, you can only see what we post if you're a member of the group. So you can find us there, or you can go to MilkTheFunk.com. Uh, that has links to the to the Facebook page and also has links to our Wikipedia page. And let, let me just encourage once again, everybody, to uh, the uh, first order of business when you uh, join, it, go check out this Goes recipe and brew it. You will uh, not be disappointed, and maybe yeah. you'll uh, convert some of the people in your life who you've, you've had a, a hard time converting up to this point uh, to sour beer. I, I, I need more people to be brewing this beer so I can have more of it, really, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of great info. Thank you so much, Devin, Brandon, and Ryan. And, uh, yeah, best of luck Absolutely. with all things uh, Milk the Funk going forward. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on, yeah, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just Fantastic. 
All Promise right. me when you get that beer that you're missing, you review it next time. Absolutely. You got you got a deal. Yeah, Jay uh, can come over when I'm drinking it at my house, and uh, he can share it with me, and so then we'll, we'll review it. That's what I was like, you guys have never been on, I've been on the BN before, right? So no, I said, yeah, they're not going to drink your beers. They're going to come there and they're going to drink them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a Scott thing. But I'll, I'll make sure, I'll hold them accountable and make sure we get to, to taste that on here. Right. I'll skip another one if you don't. I don't care. Oh, perfect. Oh, then, yes, Scott already drank it. <laughs> yeah, definitely already gone. Uh, no, thanks, guys. And uh, uh, send me uh, an email, will you? And we'll, we'll get uh, Yazoo on the show. On the session. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me know whenever. Um, we're, uh, I, like I said, I posted out uh, on my uh, Embrace the Funk blog that I'll be going full time of leaving uh, the television industry uh, after uh, 22 years to uh, go full time in brewing. So, yeah, I'd love to talk more about uh, what we're doing in Nashville. Sounds good, man. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, guys. All righty. Let's, uh, let's do a, a one last break and then we're going to. You remember on the last show, Jay, I asked you. Um, if uh, you'd ever consider brewing a sour apple beer, and uh, you said yes. And uh, I got a, actually quite a few people who wrote in and said, uh, hey, I've had this, or I've brewed that, or I've seen this, including uh, Odd 13 Brewing mm-hmm. out of Colorado, uh, who sent in one of the uh, sour apple beers that they brewed. And I want to taste that with uh, the brewer and uh, dissect it. Awesome. All right, we'll take a quick beer break, and we'll be back on the Sour Hour. <laughs> Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty crack cans. Tasty crack cans. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, right-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Oh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. back on 
the Sour Hour XL version. We're running pretty long today, yeah? Um, yeah, but not any longer than most shows, actually. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, it just maybe that's just an insult to the Milk the Funk guys. It just feels really long. I, an we, hour with them seemed like four. <laughs> it was a lot of great info, and we could have gotten you know so much more out of them if we had a little more time. But I think maybe we had a lot of beers to taste today. We had a beer in the first yes. segment, second, third, and now we're doing another beer tasting uh, with Odd 13's beer. And I actually, don't, what, what's the name of this beer, Scott? This is the oh, this is, this is a Peppo the Picker. Look at that uh, the uh, label art there. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's awesome, and. We, uh, do we have uh, Ryan from Odd13 on with us? Yeah, Ryan, what's happening, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. Going good. Oh. Thanks for uh, sending us the beer. Yeah, no problem. Also got uh, my head brewer, Brandon, here with me. Oh, hey, Brandon. Thanks for uh, joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. I just want to also point out all the beers you mentioned, Jay. We, we do still have a uh, you know a plethora of glasses. You especially, because you're a very hard worker, and you, you, you just dabble in all of the beers that are in your glasses. <laughs> but look at the, um, the color range here. Taste you the got, rainbow, baby. Yeah, you got like pale golden, golden, deep golden. You have like a grapefruit color, ruby red, dark. It's like, uh, it's like you're setting up for a photograph. Well, we're happy to have uh, this last beer because it really adds some racial diversity. It really does. Yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> uh, what can you guys tell us about this beer? So um, we do a handful of uh, kettle sours. We have two different sour programs going. Um, a handful of kettle sour, quick sours that um, we do on a fairly regular basis and a barrel program. But uh, the barrel program is a little smaller than we would like it to be given our space constraints. So we, we supplement with some kettle sour beers. And after reading uh, Michael Tonsmeyer's book, The uh, American Sours, um, Brandon read a, uh, a tip from Russian River, which is that uh, when they're growing lacto, they grow it with four parts malt sugar and uh, one part um, unfiltered, unpasteurized apple juice. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, when I moved into my new house, uh, the guy across the backyard happens to be uh, the owner of Stem Ciders. So we, we had a pretty handy source for some apple juice, and uh, we decided what uh, to figure out what would happen if we you know, took the, the notion of the lactobacillus culture uh, of you know, four parts malt, one part apple, and scale that up to a full 10-barrel batch. And uh, it's that, the beer we're drinking right now, it sounds like you're drinking as well, is, is the result of that. Awesome. And, and when, when does the, the apple, I guess... Is, is, is juice? When does that come in the process? Is that part of the kettle souring process? Yeah. So uh, with this beer, we knocked out um, probably about nine barrels of, of wort and then added uh, two barrels of um, apple juice. It is a blend of uh, Granny Smith and crab apple. Um, then we let that get down to um, around 115 and pitched our uh, our house lacto culture. Awesome. And where does the house culture come from? Did you get it commercially? How do you, how do you store it? What, how do you guys uh, handle your house lacto? So the house lacto, and we've actually got a number of different cultures for different uses, whether it's the quick souring versus the barrel program. Um, back when we were doing this beer, I think it was probably maybe three different strains, um, lacto brevis, dobrecki, and fermentum. At this point, we're working with more like 10 um, and just different kind of commercial providers we're also working with some um, kind of locally sourced just off of grain and that kind of thing. But basically, we will treat it like a sourdough, sourdough culture. We'll toss uh, five gallons in 
And basically before that, we'll have split it off and grown up the equipment culture back up so we can do it for future uses. Awesome. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of great, uh, a lot of great acidity to this beer. Um, there's also a lot of other other flavors going on. I, I can't see the bottle from where I'm sitting. What are, what are some of the other flavors you guys uh, put into this beer? So yeah, um, this was the beer we brewed in our, our second fall, uh, being open. Um, first fall, uh, we brewed a, a fairly traditional pumpkin beer and. Uh, needless to say, that's not really what Brandon and I are into. Our, uh, our head brewer at the time was, was more into that. And so we decided for this year, we might as well, you know, what goes well with pumpkin pie is apple cider. So we decided to take kind of the pumpkin beer twist and add uh, the cider to it. Um, the fact that there's any pumpkin in this beer pretty much never even comes up. It's, you know, it's more focused on the apples. And then there's uh, some, some light spicing um, with... Um, Ginger, uh, nutmeg, and cinnamon. cinnamon. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely got some of those flavors in there that were uh, throwing me for a loop a little bit. But, yeah, the acidity is really nice. Is this kind of where you guys see your sour beers sweet spot? Or do you guys have sour beers that are a little more tart or less tart? We have on both sides of the range, um, you know, depending on what we're going for for the overall profile. Uh, this beer specifically has a different kind of acidity than we see in a lot of our other beers. Malic acid opposed to lactic acid is kind of a prominent feature, and that's from specifically the Granny Smith and the Crab Apple. Awesome. Are you going to brew this beer again? Yeah, um, we're going to do it again uh, this September. Um, I confirmed that last night with Eric from Stem Ciders. Um, next time around, we're probably we kind of learned our lesson a little bit on this beer with the. Uh, the level of malic acid in it. Um, this beer was was anybody who who drank it either loved it or hated it. There really wasn't much of a middle ground because of the level of acidity. And we chalk a lot of that up to you know, we've we've had beers with with similar pH that that are much less aggressive in terms of the the acidity on the palate. And so one of the things we're going to do next time we've done this once since then is uh, during the kettle souring process uh, additionally ferment with malolactic bacteria. Which is a bacteria that will will take the the lactic acid or the malic acid and transform it into lactic, um, to maybe tone down on the lactic aspects of that a little bit and, and bring the, the the lactic portion up a little bit. There you go. Have you probably do some of that from using supplies from wineandhop.com. Yeah, they're perfect. There you go. Have yeah. you have you used it before, Jay? No, I haven't. So I'd be I'd be curious to see how that goes for you guys. But certainly, you know. The layering of acids with, you know, malic acid, lactic acid, and acetic acid is something that I think is really something that's going to develop a lot more in the next 10 years of sour beer brewing because it's just like any other uh, part of the brewing process where, you know, you can almost treat them as, even though they're byproducts, they're different ingredients in the beer. And the more we learn about making sour beer, the more we can tweak each of those individually up and down and kind of make sour beers in, in the mold that we want to. Um, Malik Acid is my uh, favorite rapper, by the way. His latest yeah. album is awesome. Straight out, straight out of Oakland. I saw him on TV after the Warriors won last night. <laughs> yeah, what was he doing? <laughs> he was just doing his thing. You, yeah. know, you know Mal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, So it sounds like Odd 13 is just uh, a few years old. How's it been going for you guys? Um, it's going great. We, um, we opened primarily uh, as a taproom focus. Um, Good sized tap room, good sized patio behind. Um, I wish we had uh, put a little more forethought into allocating space to the brewery. Um, we're at this point we're operating completely maxed out. Um, 
We're on pace to do about uh, 1,200 barrels this year out of a 900-square-foot brew house. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Brandon has a little gray hair as a result of that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're bringing a 30-barrel production facility online, hopefully in September or October. Um, working with the city to get that all permitted at this point. Equipment's ordered, so... Awesome. Let me just ask you this as, uh, as it pertains to the uh, the apple beer. Are you planning on using all the same, um, like, spices and additions uh, in this year's batch? Um, we hadn't actually spoken about that. We just kind of confirmed with Eric that he had a good time and we had a good time, and so we're, uh, we're looking to do it again. Um, I think we would approach something similar, and maybe probably the only tweak would be the, the addition of the, the malolactic bacteria um, to change the, the profile of the acidity. Um, that and maybe um, tweaking the the bread strain that we used. Uh, this was a, the cold side of this was 100% fermented with the um, lambic strain from Brewing Science Institute, and um, it it was a second generation pitch. It was certainly um, a little bit more expressive of traditional bread character in in the first generation pitch. Um, some of that can probably be chalked up to the you know the harsh environment and the acidity, but um, I think that uh, this beer would play really nicely with the strain of Bruxellensis we used in another uh, 100% Brett beer we did uh, just this past uh, April, I think. Yeah. Now, do you guys think that the um, the cinnamon and the, the other spices are necessary additions to balance the sort of sour on acid on... In other words, could you... When I asked Jay originally the question, I was thinking just apple flavor, like a sour candy, a sour apple Jolly Rancher or whatever. Um, and this is has those other flavors that make it more sort of apple pie and Thanksgiving-y and, you know, the, the pumpkin, of course. Um, do you think that it's necessary to have those other additions? Um, not specifically. Yeah. It's not necessary. Um, I mean, this was brewed in the yeah for the Halloween to Thanksgiving season, so it was to add a little bit of complexity as well as an orientation towards that seasonal release to try and appease anyone who is looking for that type of holiday beer, but also with more of our twist. Um, we're also interested in you know we've been listening to the sh- to the show, reading a lot of uh, different articles and. Chad loves to use spices, likes to see how um, you know, biotransformations occur with those. So that's something that I'm interested in as well. Uh, I mean, for me, I think the cinnamon, some of the kind of naked spices, they come through as the naked spices. So I'd be interested to see what kind of fermentation tweaks have to occur in order to get some more of those biotransformations. But um, kind of in the essence of a holiday beer, I guess, um, that would be why we would probably include it again. Yeah, the label looks festive. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. <laughs> yeah, let's see. What is it? It's um, it's a pumpkin skeleton playing a banjo uh, in the mouth of a shark. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like my holiday sometimes. <laughs> so it's so, uh, the mouth of a jack o' lantern, I think, actually. But oh, uh, I see. Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, so odd thirteen brewing. That's in Lafayette, Colorado. Is that right? That's kind of close to Boulder. Yeah, it's uh, East Boulder County. Um, we're actually uh, the second of four breweries in Lafayette now. I think there's only about 30,000 people in the town, too. So, Yeah, how, and how's the, um, I guess, yeah, that's enough people to support all those breweries. You guys seen any, uh, like, drop-off as more breweries open, or is everything the same? No, everything's been pretty amazing. Um, I mean, we had a great reception from day one. Uh, we opened and immediately started running out of beer um, with four 10-barrel fermenters. 
Um, it wasn't until we added, started adding 20 barrels that we were able to uh, really keep up with the demand and start getting beer out there. Um, and, you know, even though there's only 30,000 people in the town, it's in Boulder County. Um, it's, you know, it's suburbs in every direction. Uh, there's plenty of people in walking distance, driving distance. Um, we're starting to branch out a little bit further down into Denver. It's only about, you know, 25, 30 minutes away. So we're getting out there, um, you know, a little bit further than we were able to before, uh, specifically in cans. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, be able to send the beer a little bit further in the fall. Yes, I did get some of those cans that uh, you sent. So thanks for sending them. They sent us a lot of great beer. So thanks, oh, for the, thanks for the care package, man. We appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. So Denver and Boulder County and a little bit more in the fall, that sounds like GABF timing. So a lot of people listening who maybe are coming out to, to Denver for GABF will be able to see your beer around that area? Yeah, for sure. We're in a ton of uh, bars, restaurants, liquor stores, um, Denver area. Um, you know, we're on at some of the, the more prominent beer bars down that way. We're on occasionally at Falling Rock, um, just to use probably the most famous example. So um, the beer's getting out there now. Awesome. Well, it's, all, it's really good stuff. And uh, thanks so much for sharing the, uh, the apple sour that Scott just, you know, asking you shall receive. Yeah, no kidding. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. It's been a, it's been a great time, and I love your beer. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. For sure. Cheers, guys. So now I'm trying to think of uh, what uh, I can say right now that uh, I will magically get shipments of in a month. Uh, well, it sounded like you're kind of asking them to make changes. Like, I, So I like this beer. Can you make my apple sour beer <laughs> exactly. that I want? That kind of was what I was getting. Well, and but I wasn't only thinking about me, right? Like I was thinking about um, all of the. I mean, I hear more, especially in this brewing network crowd. Mm-hmm. I hear more complaining about the pumpkin spices sort of fall thing than I do uh, laudatory comments by about ten to one. So. I'm guessing that that maybe isn't completely representative of the – it's certainly not representative of the mass market. That every fall they they buy all that stuff. They like it. But yeah. the sort of beer crowd, the connoisseur crowd, doesn't seem to much care for that flavor profile. And that is what's dominating this beer for me. Like I don't know that I would have picked out that there was – I taste it now that I know. Mm-hmm. But if I didn't know, I would just assume somebody made a sour Thanksgiving nutmeggy whatever beer. Yeah, yeah. I, I should say that it is well balanced for, I mean, I didn't know, I just saw, oh, this is an apple sour and I couldn't see the bottle. So I was like, oh, there's a lot of sort of dark mall and some spice flavor going on in here. I don't know what it is, but I was like, hey, this is pretty well balanced for being kind of a bold beer. Yeah, I got the I, I got the pumpkin right up front, actually, and the aroma and the flavor is like, wow, okay, yeah, this is a, it reminded me of the fall, you know, when all those Thanksgiving beers come out. But, exactly. But yeah, the, the I thought it was actually really well balanced with the apple cider kind of flavors. And then, the, that, like you said, the nutmeg and the cinnamon and the acidity level was, was pretty high. So it was, it, I thought it was all pretty well balanced. I, I agree. Yes, it, yeah. completely. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not I'm not knocking the beer at all. I'm just saying that it wasn't exactly what I had in my mind when I asked the question, apropos of nothing, I just want to say that if anyone out there has an only sour, like that's all the only addition you did, yeah. Apple. Well, I bet you, yeah. st- you stumbled through that. You stumbled upon a new kind of like, oh, is this considered to be bad? Like, you know, you brought up with the Apple stuff, pumpkin. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, you know, I, I think the real thing is brewers hate to brew it. Like it is just, like getting it's hard enough getting grain out of your mash tun, yeah. But getting pumpkin like, pulp pumpkin, yeah, out <laughs> is nasty. the absolute worst. It's the worst thing, and so you just get this negative association with smelling pumpkin and your clothes getting dirty and you being pissed off and having a tough day. Maybe the mash gets stuck. It's like, oh, uh, this is 
this is bad times. I hate pumpkin. It so. makes perfect sense. I mean, just think about I'm actually surprised that uh, carving pumpkins caught on as a hobby because it's such a disgusting, messy process. You have to, like, spread the Sunday paper all over your living room, and right. then you have a bunch of seeds that you roast, but they're not really very good. Oh, uh, I love the seeds. You do like the seeds? Oh, yeah. oh for God's sake. Yeah, roast seeds are it, awesome. Yeah. Ro- yeah. you got to roast really? them and yeah, they're good. get some butter on them. Okay, well, uh, you can roast a golf ball and put butter on it, and it'll be pretty good. <laughs> I forgot the salt, too. Yeah, <laughs> That's salt. right, and salt. So, yeah, really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a cool beer. I can't wait to. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to check them out when we go up for uh, for GABF. Are you guys going out for that this year? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Oh, here I just thought of one. Uh, if somebody uh, makes a guava sour beer, uh, I would love to taste a guava sour beer. There's some guava sour beer. We Are had there? a guava sour beer at the brewery. It was our collaboration with Cigar City, Maroon Acidafe. Mm, I don't know if I've or had you know that. what now now I might be getting it confused. We made a beer guava grove. With uh, Cigar City? That's a Cigar City beer. Um, But maybe, so we made a a collab with Cigar City, and then maybe we made a fruited version. Yeah, it was pretty good. Hmm. It had some strange aromas at first, but they all fermented off, and then it turned out to be a pretty good beer. So Seems the hot fruit to use right now is dragon fruit. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, people use dragon fruit and Berliner Weiss. That's kind of like the big hot beer right now. And actually, there's a I work up in Richmond in San Pablo. They have an Asian supermarket that has fresh dragon fruit. So I've been like eyeballing that now for the last few weeks to try to use in a beer. Mm. It's a big thing in the uh, Florida uh, Ber- Berliner Weiss scene. That, uh, Florida Weiss. Yeah, Florida Weiss. Chris yeah. Johnson from Green Bench was talking about that when he was on. And it's just like if you love... Pink sour beers. That's your scene right there. Huh. Looks oh. radioactive, basically. And I've got uh, I've got uh, the Odd Thirteen guys uh, messaging me that they've brewed uh, a dragon fruit beer as well. There you go. Right. Oh, you got to send it. Wow, by. I'm out of the loop. Is it in a can at your house? <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I've never tasted it. All right, awesome. Well, that was that was a packed show. No I kidding. The most people and tastings we had on one show. And I had to move someone. We had a uh, another yeah. segment scheduled for this that I had to move because it's just too full. So we'll we'll get to that uh, in coming months. Yeah, definitely. Anything else? Do you have any questions or anything to wrap up? Nope. We need to get out of here. All right, let's do it. Uh, thanks to Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, for, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, Appreciate you coming in, in yeah. for all the nonsense for sure. And thanks for bringing in your beers, man. They were great. Keep it up. Thanks so much. Uh, all the guys from Milk the Funk, Devin, Brandon, and Ryan, and then Odd Thirteen. Shout out. Great beers. Go visit them in Lafayette, Boulder County. And let's uh, let's get that dragon fruit beer shipped maybe to the Rare Barrel instead of <laughs> Scott's home address. Hey, you know what? You're a hoarder, too. I've seen the cold box at the Rare Barrel, and you got a lot of bottles sitting we, in there. We just had a depletion party with, oh, our, uh, with our staff. So. Is that the one I invited myself to? Yes. Because I didn't go. You didn't, which is kind of huh. rude. Huh. But, yeah, that's weird. Depletion party. That sounds good. Actually, I, I didn't make it, but one cool thing I saw was our employees were uh, capturing some of the beers, the dregs from the beers, and we have uh, some yes. hand wort. We were saving all the dregs up. And, uh, you know, all you home brewers out there, that's a great way to start. Take your favorite sour beer, put it in, you know, a quart of wort, and then go from there. Just pick out the ones that are good. But listen to this show back. A lot of good info. Uh, and best of luck making your first sour beers. This has been the Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. The Brewing Network.